Pulp MX Network production. You cast me What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity. All right, man? Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. I'm Darkside from the Moto X-Pod Show, and we're about to discuss this week's Pulp MX Show. But first, let me thank our sponsors. You know all about Michelin Motorcycle Tires from the Pulp MX Show, and now I'm excited to announce that Michelin Bicycle Tires is a proud sponsor of the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire, and to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, then follow at Michelin Bicycle on Instagram and check out bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products. Also, Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson to Jeremy McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, JGR Suzuki, and many more. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. You can also visit Motosport.com. Those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motosport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motosport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride. Your best ride, only at motorsport.com. And don't forget to go to pulpmxshow.com for sponsor links and discount codes. If you want to be on the Pulpmx wrap-up show or contribute a question or topic for Hello Pookie, send it to darkside at pulpmx.com. Okay, let's get to our guests. All right, our first guest of the night is brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires. He's from Fly Racing, Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? Not too much. I was uh, at and on the show, so um, should be... Yeah, an easy one for me to recall everything that happened and went on because I was actually there. Yeah, yeah, I and mean, I'm going to ask you some questions about that. Uh, but our other guest is brought to you by Guts Racing. He is an Olympic gold medalist and currently unemployed, according to what he told me a few minutes ago. So what's up, Connor Fields? What's going on, fellas? I just got off the golf course. I found out this morning that the race has been canceled or postponed, kind of similar to motocross. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm I call it fun employed. There you go. Yeah, I just got the news about the Nationals getting pushed back and canceled my flights and my hotels, JT. I'm sure that's all stuff you got to look at doing, too. Yeah, I don't know what my my schedule is or will be. I don't know if I'm going to be allowed to go or will go, um, but I would like to. I, don't, I, don't, I think there would be a few, depending on how this whole schedule shakes out, because I think we're going to have a very unorthodox schedule. That's yeah. what I think is going to happen. But, um, yeah, I'm just playing it by ear. See what happens. All right. Well, uh, let's. Uh, let, you only have a limited time, JT. So we're going to talk about episode 431 with you, Travis Preston, Chris Kiefer in studio. 
a little different format this week. Uh, he, Steve kind of called called it like the roundtable type thing, just a hangout, basically. Um, well, I want to ask you, JT, since you were in studio, with a show like this, does Steve give you a little heads up and say, hey, we're going to touch on some of these topics, or is it pretty free-flowing? Uh, the only real heads up he would give me is basically if we're having guests or not. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times he'll ask me what guests I think we should get. But, yeah, this was a no-guest show for the, for the most part. Um, so that really, yeah, that's it. I mean, but you have to remember, and Kiefer's kind of growing into that too. Steve and I have a lot of chemistry from doing shows. We've been doing shows together for 10 years. So we don't, we don't need a lot of prep or, you know, planning. We just kind of roll. Yeah, yeah, you guys definitely have that connection. I just wondered if he, you know, like he lets you know ahead of time, hey, there's not going to be that many guests. We're going to touch on outdoors. We're going to touch a lot of Yamaha talk. You know, or I didn't know if he kind of gave you a little heads up of what he was planning. I mean, a tiny bit. Like, I knew Preston was coming up, so we wanted to talk on the Husqvarna stuff. Yeah. Which would be, you know, we could bounce off old stories and that stuff. But, um, yeah, it was kind of a different show altogether. We were just going to do segments, and we wanted to – riff off of each other and we, we got some calls in rv called in and whatever but um generally he and i don't do a lot of pre-show prep together i, I think he and keeper do sometimes but uh i do better kind of off the cuff i don't really like to plan it out so i would rather be kind of impulsive with my answers anyway okay so i want to ask connor about something but about the, the show format this week but before i do that since you just said that what about your show industry seating um it's man you got to talk a long time by yourself and that's not easy without some prep in my opinion i mean is that because like i'd be doing a lot of ums and ahs and stuff if i was just trying to do a 45 minute show or whatever with no outline it definitely it has gotten easier. The first few shows, I found myself like kind of starting over a lot. Like I would go in like four or five minutes, and I'd be, man, this isn't very good, and start mm-hmm. over. But it's gotten easier. You're right, though, having some sort of outline so you can go and transition from topic to topic certainly helps. I think the most challenging part for me was really learning the sponsor read, and because I do them all, you know, live, and I don't record anything, so kind of memorizing phone numbers and contact info and the message that they want to share uh, without having to re-record. And, and every once in a while, I'll pause it if I want to get something to drink or read over my notes a little bit. But for the most part, I just kind of go straight through. And nice. I've been doing it for six months now, so it, it's definitely gotten easier. That's still pretty uh, impressive. It continues to. That's pretty impressive because, like, I, I really – I couldn't I – don't, I don't do well with that. I have to have my notes and, and kind of have it thought out. Um, anyway, Connor – so this show, the set, the way it was laid out, the uh, the format. What do you think of it as a listener? Um, I look. I, I think it's nice to have some different stuff, right? Especially as someone who's listened for years and years and years, um, it's kind of followed a similar format. Uh, I guess the number one thing that stuck out for me that was really interesting was um, all the talk about setting up the bike and testing and things like that. Now, as someone who doesn't have a large knowledge base on riding and testing, I really enjoyed hearing Travis's input and just a general discussion about setting up a bike and riding a bike because a lot of that, to me, sounds like Chinese. <laughs> right, right. Okay, we're going to touch on that in a minute because I do have a format, a, a, a little a outline here, so we're going to get to that. Um, but I do want to talk about, like again, with this the show being different, I was watching on YouTube, JT, so I was, you know, 
that's the way I usually watch. And we, I saw some comments, and one of them, one person in particular said, "This the show's best when there's the segments where there's nothing, where there's no segment. It's just you guys hanging out, talking, and this particular person loves it when Kiefer's in. But I think a lot of the fans really do like that. Uh, have you gotten any feedback like that? Did anybody tell you, hey, I like this the way the show's done, maybe better than when there's lots of guests? No, but to be honest, my favorite parts of the show are without guests as well. Um, okay. I think there there's a few different things to look at because if you are just the average fan who maybe you get to go to one race a year or maybe you get to go to zero races a year and you don't have any interaction with the stars of the sport, guys like Tom Mack and, and – especially some of the bigger guests that will call in. I think they really enjoy that. They like hearing from those guys. But for me, I kind of don't care. Like, <laughs> right. if Tomac calls in or Chad calls in or RB, I, I don't care. Like, I, I've, I've talked to them so much, and I know what they're going to say is very vanilla. They're not going to really share any insight. They're not. It's not going to be like a conversation that I would have with them at their track or at their house or whatever. Yeah. So it's almost like – uh, you know, public speak where they're just trying to get through it without having any glaring gas. And I, I just don't care for that. So I kind of tune out during that stuff where you're just BSing and, and talking about stuff, current events or racing or what's going on. That to me is, is much more entertaining and something that for me, my, my personal interest in listening is, is much higher during those segments. Okay. All right, Connor. So we've noticed, obviously, uh, first of all, you're a, a BMX world champion, Olympic gold medalist. Mathis has gotten very, very heavy into the e-bikes. We hear about e-bikes constantly. Uh, some people like it, some don't. We found out that Travis Preston's on board, but uh, you know, JT not so much, Kiefer not so much. I don't think. What are your thoughts on the e-bikes and Steve's obsession with it? Um, it's not. I guess it, it does relate to moto, but it's not motocross specific. But it still be, has become part of the show. Well, I guess I should start by saying I actually went e-biking with Steve maybe two months ago, and um, I really enjoyed it. It was cool. I, I don't know if it would be something that I would want to do every single time I went out for a ride, but to have the option is cool. Um, but what I think is awesome is that there's, there's options here, right? If you only want to hear the race stuff and you don't want to hear anything else, you listen to the review pod with Steve, JT, and uh, Weech. But if, if you want to listen to a five-hour long-form thing that's going to have, you know, they're going to go off on tangents. They're going to talk about all sorts of stuff, and that's what the Pulp Show is. And, you know, if I'm limited on time and I only want to listen to the race recap, then I'll listen to the race recap. But I have no issues with the, the e-bike. And, and there's this incredible uh, invention called the fast-forward button where if people don't want to listen to something, that you can always fast-forward through that section. I've never heard of this fast-forward button. I didn't know it existed. Yeah, well, see, the way a lot of people complain, they like to yeah. well, to imagine that it doesn't exist. My uh, JT, my favorite moment of the e-bike discussion period for Monday night was Steve saying that he offered uh, Heather Kiefer an e-bike, and she said, no, I'd rather get some exercise. I, I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. That's just Steve. He gets obsessed with stuff. I mean, you obviously are very, very close with him, so you probably you probably get even more of it than us listeners do. Yeah, and, and I'm cool with the, the e-bike thing. Um, to me, anything that's going to get people out and exercise, and Steve is the number one example for that because True. we all know Steve was a lot heavier than he is right now. And it was getting to the point where I was kind of getting worried about his health. You know, he's 45 years old, and he was pretty heavy. 
and then he's got on this e-bike kick, and I can pretty much guarantee you if it wasn't for the e-bike, this would not have happened. The e-bike was really the defining factor. Now, maybe he would have ridden mountain bikes a little bit, but it, it is the fact that he enjoys it so much, so I'll take it. If I have to listen to him drone on about e-bikes for him to be that much healthier, I'm in. No problem. Okay. It's, it's a sacrifice I'm happy to make. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I mean, it's great to see where he, how far he's come in the last, what, year and a half, something like that? A um, couple years, yeah, and eating better. and I, I don't mind it. I still find it entertaining because you get the guys making fun of him, you know, and, and the callers call in, and it's still entertainment, so it's all good. Um, like I mentioned, this show is obviously very Yamaha-heavy with Travis Preston being in, who's helped develop the bike, Kiefer and Steve are both Yamaha garglers. Um, RV calls in. He's been helping test the test the bike. Uh, Connor, what you, you were talking about that? So kind of how they talked about setup and T, uh, Travis Preston talking about that stuff. That it's all Greek to you. To be honest, some of it's Greek to me. Um, why do you like that though? If you don't really ride moto, why is that entertaining to you? I guess from from my perspective. Um you know, a, bike, a BMX bike is a BMX bike. There's bits and pieces that are different, but no one's going to win or lose based on their bike or their bike setup. So for me, it's, it's a totally different ball game when people are having to worry about the setup of their bike. And I don't understand it because I haven't ridden all these bikes and made all these changes and tried all these different uh, parts and things like that. So for me to listen to people talk about it and how it felt, it gives me a greater understanding uh, for when, you know, when you're watching a race and someone's saying, oh, I didn't like the way my my fork was set up, or, oh, I think I need to change a couple things in the shock, or whatever it is. Um, it just gives me a deeper understanding, which is which is fun. Uh, I guess I need to get out and ride more yeah, you do. to have a greater understanding. But um, it's, it's cool to hear it when they talk about it, you know, just from that perspective. Yeah, and, and JT, Steve was talking about, you know, the the changes come for 2021, and, you know, Steve, being who he is and with the platform he has, he gets a lot of free stuff from you guys at Fly Racing. Uh, he gets a lot of stuff, you know, to demo, basically. Uh, he, gets, and he says he doesn't really need a new Yamaha. He doesn't need a new Formula helmet, so if you want to send that to me, I'm uh, you know my address. But... Uh, he he says it's too good anyway. It can't be. It can't get any better. <laughs> um, I don't know about all yeah. that. I've rode one. Um, it threw me over. So I don't know how I feel about Yamaha right now. Well, and and the thing he's missing is that you know the reason we send him stuff and the reason we pay him is for him to advertise right. the newest and best. Right. So it's like he he understands that concept. He just chooses to ignore it when he says <laughs> comments like that. And I'm like, I want to just tap on his forehead. Like, hello, hello. You know better than this. But do you do you think he really kind of forgets that in the in the moment, or is he like I always say? So some of it's a character almost. Like he's playing this up for the show. Uh, I think there's a couple things. He, I think he doesn't want to be wasteful. That's ah, one thing. Okay. And the second part of it too is is some of it he plays up for the show too, right? He's trying to create some controversy, but I think more than anything, he's just like, man, I don't need more. And I, I I'm like, I, I get it. And if I could erase those old ones that i gave you and and sell those fine but you need to always have the newest and best on otherwise what are we doing why are we advertising and marketing with you yeah that makes sense coming from the business side your your side of it as a sponsor um connor we got rv on right everybody loves retired rv 
fastest fastest retired rider in the planet. Um, he's he's fun to talk to. He he's not the RV that we we knew from being fans watching on TV. Um, good stuff with him. Steve, you know, asks him about. Uh, he kind of commented he wants a hydraulic clutch. That's what the one thing he would ask for. And RV fired right back. Then you need to buy a KTM. Can I just say the one thing I would like? No. Can I have something? Yeah. No. Before you talk about something. Can I get a hydraulic clutch? <laughs> no. Dude, I like hydraulic no. clutches. Well, you're then go buy a KTM. No. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, you know, I, I watched RV race, right? And then I've spent time around RV post-retirement, so retired RV. And it's, like you said, it's definitely two completely different things. I think he's fun on the show. I think he's definitely one of those guys who he thinks his opinion is right, no matter what it is. And I think at that point, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Just because, like Steve. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, and just to talk on that, me and Steve had an argument off air, and JT was there about the Michael Jordan documentary, where we just—not, I don't know if it's a disagreement, but just we just talked about the different topics of the Michael Jordan documentary. Um, but with RV. You know, he's going to always back what worked for him, right? He's going to always back how he won his championship. But what worked for him might not be the same thing that works for Plessinger or Barsha. So it is interesting to hear the things that he has to say. Um, But at the same time, I think it's fun how they just kind of play games with it and laugh about the fact that, oh, if they start winning, he's going to take credit for it. And and the whole thing's kind of funny at this point. Right. that part of it's fun, and they do keep it lighthearted with it. But it is interesting just to know, you know, if having him on board is going to affect the testing um, efficiency, I guess you would say, of uh, the Yamaha testing. Yeah, I don't know that side of it, JT. Uh, you know, you have a guy like Travis Preston who is in studio, obviously, and has been, de- been developing this bike, and then he's hurt right now. So RV's helping out, and RV probably has a totally different style uh, I, is that difficult for the guys over in Japan at Yamaha to take two different riding styles and two different sets of opinions and figure out what they're going to do? Well, I mean, testing is always going to be uh, kind of dependent on riding style, um, and there's a, you know, there's always going to be down to preference in a lot of ways. The biggest thing with testing, though, from my experience, is having a guy that good enough and can give feedback good enough to eliminate like a bad tap more than anything else, right? So for RV to set up Justin Barsha's bike, I really think that's the goal. I think for what more is the goal is for if he has 10 different settings, RV can narrow that down to like three and say, okay, those other seven or whatever, if it's a new part, if it's a new link or whatever the case may be, Eliminate those seven and say those are they're not the right direction, no matter what. Like whatever Justin chooses, those are not gonna work, period. These three though, within a range, are pretty good, right? That that's really where a good tester can he can eliminate all of that time that Justin Barsha would have wasted sorting through those ten down to those three. And that's over the years I've just heard really good testers, they get the bike fairly close and they get a range and then the rider can really spend the least amount of time and, and they start out at a really close spot versus just endless testing by the actual racer. And then that's a lot of times that's where they get lost is they've got 10 links to work through and they can't even figure out like where they're going. Like they're trying so many different things and so many different lengths. And then he wants to try a different shock in the midst of that link. And then that's, you know, one 
one uh, variable changes the entire equation. So um, I was kind of walking myself through that process when RV was on the phone because RV is very uh, particular in the way he sets his bike up. He steers with the rear with a lot of throttle, um, and not everybody rides that way. Most people don't, as a matter of fact. Um, So I think they, they have to tread lightly as far as making sure they don't narrow the range too much. But just weeding out the good stuff versus, you know, the the obvious good stuff versus the obvious bad stuff, I think, could be uh, pretty valuable. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, we don't have a whole lot more time with you, JT. A couple things I want to touch on back with Yamaha. You know, the, the race team, factory Yamaha, a couple decisions to make before 2021. And, and Kiefer made the comment that if they don't get Ferrandis, they're effed, uh, which Steve didn't really agree with. Um he, he says Barsha could be. Well, C thinks Barsha can come back. You said, you know, maybe not. What if they don't want him or what if they don't take him? Um, I kind of feel like sometimes your role in this relationship of the show and Steve is to bring Steve back down to a reality almost. I don't know if that's the right word, but. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I have people write me all the time and tell me I'm the voice of reason for Steve. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Steve has done a very good job of having a unique opinion on a lot of things. And I think that's what makes his show interesting. And and it pisses people off a lot of times because he goes way off into the weeds at times with his opinion. And sometimes, you know, and I think part of that is I know him so well that I'm not scared to call him on it and just, and and say he's being ridiculous or way out of bounds with the take. Um, But yeah, I, I think my views are pretty conservative not politically but just conservative yeah for most of the time versus steve like he gets a little outlandish with some of his opinions so yeah we kind of counterbalance each other that way yeah and with that that uh uh example like he wasn't way off base yeah obviously they could bring barsha back but it just while you guys were having that discussion that was kind of what was going through my mind is like you you the voice of reason i like that every once in a while you're just kind of like yeah but you know, it, this could happen or this could happen. And sometimes Steve gets very set in what he thinks, and then there's no other options. Um, okay, yeah. I wanna... it, it would be a big setback if they lose for Anna. Oh, yeah. I, I do agree with that. But at the same time, they wouldn't be much different of a scenario than they went into the 2020 season with. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask Dylan that last night on our show, uh, but he gave me a certain time limit and – he was talking and kind of got past that, and I, I just never got to it. And then I don't know if you guys probably didn't hear about this, but so Dylan tells me last night that, hey, this is the first podcast I've ever done. That's how I promoted it. You know, when I posted Racer X, put it up as the first podcast he's ever done, and I got an email about two hours ago from Steve with a screenshot of when Dylan was on his show back in 17. And he's, yeah, so Steve kind of busted me on that, and I guess I should have done more research, but I. I trusted Dylan to know if he's done a podcast before. As a writer, I got to say you can't trust writers. Yeah, well, it's it's typical, man. Steve, you know, I, I end up looking dumb sometimes with stuff like that, but it's all right. Um, okay, a couple more things. Your thoughts, JT, on uh, the Kiefer's Loretta Lynn's qualifier at Glen Helen, everything that went down from – uh, Heather, you know, the fire-breathing dragon, as she was called, <gasps> getting wound up, Aiden not having transponder ready. Um, that that was a fun topic, pretty entertaining. Uh, they're on their way to Washougal right now, as I, I recall. But uh, what do you think, man? I mean, just what do you think of that whole situation? You know what? I'm cool with it. You know, I think uh, Heather is 
not very not atypical of a lot of racing parents out there. Uh, I, I think it's a different scenario for Chris because he hasn't seen it before. You know, Aiden's getting better and, and it's brand new. But, yeah, I'm fine with it. I, I think it's cool for Chris, you know, he's been around racing and endurance his whole life to have a different perspective watching his kid no, do it now. So I, I'm, I think it's uh, obviously the comedic factor is super high. But, yes, um, yes, and that's I'm what I meant. Whatever. I, she'll, cool, she'll calm down. Like, she'll sort it out and... She, I think she's probably struggling with Aiden going a lot faster too. True. So that's scaring her a little bit, but she'll. Uh, I think that'll that'll calm down a little bit with time. Yeah, and I, that's what I meant. I found it pretty entertaining. I, you know, it's Chris allows us into his very deep into his personal life, very open. And uh, Connor, even him saying, "Man, there's so many things I don't tell you." Like, wow, I, I would love. I wish we could get deeper, but uh, very funny. I was I felt a little bit bad for Chris, you know, coming off the track and having to deal with that stress of my kid's not ready, even though I told him to get ready. Uh, I mean, think about that. You come off a race, Connor, and you have to deal with something like that. That just adds to the stress of your day. But still, good segment, fun to listen to. Yeah, and I think what is going to be like that. Yeah, go ahead, Connor. I was just going to say to add what JT was talking about. I think it's great just because it just proves that no matter who you are. You know, as a fa- as a father and as a as a racing dad, it doesn't matter how well connected to the industry you are. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you were a pro or not. When in your day, when it comes to your kids riding, it's just the same thing. And and you care, and because you care, you just kind of you kind of lose everything. Uh, you know, all composure, and that's just kind of how it goes. And I thought it was really uh, really funny to hear how that that whole thing um, kind of took took uh, took place and went from. Just having some fun uh, to Mrs. Kiefer absolutely losing it. Yeah, exactly. And Chris having to go to Washougal, which he said wasn't going to happen. He actually texted me this morning and said, where's the wrap-up show? And I was kind of wondering if he thought this this particular wrap-up show was already done and wanted to hear what we said about that situation. But I told him it wasn't up yet. Um, so, okay, two more topics before I let you go, JT, I want to touch on. Um, my call, when I called in, you guys uh, called me like the battered wife. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. But I do. I wanted to touch on the thing with uh, the custom painted formula. Like I, I don't. Because Steve always says I misrepresent what he says, which I have. I, I'll fully admit that I have misconstrued what he said. But in that segment, he or when he brought, brought that up, he was asking about how. How about me getting one? Can I get one painted? I thought right. That's how he presented it. Yeah, I mean, as as far as like. I'm. I know what you're saying about the formula. You like you. You got a painted. You're disconstruing. But I'm not. I'm not sure what you were actually asking. Okay. So he he said he asked you if he could have one painted custom. Correct. That's what that started that earlier in the show. Yes. Okay. So yep. when I came on, I was like, yeah, just get one painted. And then I felt like yep. you guys thought I misunderstood what he was asking for because you said this is why he gets mad at you or something along those lines. No. So what I was telling him is he wants a custom painted one for him to wear which doesn't do me any good. Like, gotcha. If, if, I, if we're going to advertise with him, I want him wearing exactly what you can go buy. For him to have a custom painted one that he wears all the time at Western Raceway doesn't really advertise what we're trying to sell. It sure. doesn't do us any good. So oh. for you to give them away, I don't necessarily have a problem with it because whoever you're giving it away to or raffling it to, we're not paying them to advertise. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I just I didn't want – I felt like you guys thought I had mis- misunderstood something again, and I guess maybe it was just 
lost in translation, but I do get a lot of shit for that. So Steve gives me a lot of shit, but I always tell people, JT and Connor, like off the air, the dude has been, Steve has been beyond helpful with me. So, oh, dude, it's part of his bit. I mean, yeah. This is, you are the punching bag for him with this show. I mean, just own it. I mean, I've, I was a punching bag for Chad Reed my whole life, right? And you just own it. And you okay. know, it's, it wasn't, if he didn't like you, there would be, there would be no wrap up show. He wouldn't help you in any way. Yeah. So, just know that going in. Well, I, I really appreciate what you just said as, as Chad's punching bag, because now I feel way better. Because <laughs> I do get a lot of people like that send me DMs and they're like, He's such an asshole. Why do you put up with it, man? You got to man up. And I'm like, dude, I first of all, I like doing the wrap up, uh, and I get paid to do the wrap up, so I'm fine with it, you know. And I know the some of it is serious and some of it's not. Connor, what do you think about me being the battered wife? I mean, someone has to be it. Okay, do they? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's part of having a show means having opinions. Right. If you were to have a show and you don't have any strong opinions, then it's not going to be any entertainment because there's nothing that people are going to either have to agree with or not agree with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, congratulations. You've become the um, the punchline a lot of times. But also, like you said, he, he behind the scenes, he cares and he promotes and he helps you out. And uh, that's just, I guess, part of uh, part of how it goes. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I, I'll I'll keep doing it as long as he has me, I suppose. Uh, one more thing, JT. So, during the motosport.com tweeted uh, tits, you guys started talking about the bunching and how Fro didn't didn't ever acknowledge it, and Steve used the word genuine because he seemed genuinely shocked that the lap times dropped. Like genuine, on, like the singer. Yes, ride my pony. Genuine <laughs> on the TV show. Okay, you guys want to wrap the show up now? Or? Let's do it. Uh, bring it to me. <laughs> well, we'll just wrap everything up if you guys want. Uh, he genuine believed that it wasn't happening. I can't remember exactly what his quote was. But my only comment is I appreciate you guys making fun of him. And I think Kiefer was humming the 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 song. Yeah, under- we're that genuine pony song. Yeah, and I have heard that song. I've heard the name Genuine. I never know knew that they that Genuine did that song, so you guys taught me something. <laughs> so by making fun of him, I learned something. I appreciate that. And uh last thing with you, and I'm gonna touch on this more with you, Connor, in a little bit, but the Kiefer After Dark segment, you guys with the the Yoda and uh the the voices that Kiefer <laughs> was doing. Techman. Uh Techman could probably lure me away. Hmm. Mm. This is uh, <laughs> what's that? Yoda. Yoda. <laughs> lure you away, he would. No. Must lure yes <laughs> to another brand. You would go. Techman, no? would you? My gloves. <laughs> My gloves. My gloves don't fit. What's your beat-off program? I don't know, like Star Wars or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Remorse, you feel. <laughs> you, you feel <laughs> that shit was hilarious. Kiefer asking you what your beat-off program is, and you drop Star Wars like instantly. That was yep. that was good. So I yeah, uh, I went back and listened to it when I got home, and just because I wanted to hear it over again, I was dying laughing during it. Yes. and you just get into those those kind of you're in a rhythm with stuff, and yeah, that's that is really when the magic of the show happens for me. And kind of what we were talking about earlier about the guest stuff, like that doesn't really do it for me. But those moments where things are just coming 
kind of off the cuff and, and everyone's in a rhythm, those are absolutely the best parts of the show for me. Oh, absolutely. I think everybody was laughing. Everybody on YouTube was cracking up. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm cutting, so I cut some of that audio, so I'll put it in this thing here shortly. But I'm going to go ahead and let you go. I know you're real busy. Uh, fly racing, can't run without you. Max needs you to. I've had four phone calls since I've been on. Oh, crap. Well, JT, I'm going to kick you off uh, and because I don't have – I'm not in the catalog. I, I want to model in the catalog with Steve. So until that happens, right. I'm kicking you off the show. All right. Sounds See you, JT. Thanks. See ya. All right, Connor. Um, hang tight. I'm going to pause this. Dad, want to have a figure eight? <laughs> That's what you got to do. That's- All right. We let JT go. We took a little, quick little break there. So, Connery, I want to kind of touch back on the uh, the testing talk, right? They did talk a lot about testing. People call in all the time about testing. Um, and even for me, like, I don't always understand all that stuff. You know, when Steve break or when Kiefer breaks down suspension testing to its technical side, it does somewhat go over my head a little bit, um, you know, when he's talking about the, the terms he uses. But you said that, same thing, sometimes you told me it goes over your head, but in this episode you really enjoyed it. What do you think it was about this particular episode that made you enjoy that? I think part of it has to do with the fact that they had multiple people in there to explain it from different perspectives. Yeah. You know, Travis, uh, Kiefer, Brian, all talking about the same thing. And obviously, if if three people explain something, they're all going to explain it in a different way. So, you know, what one person says might not register, but I might understand it the way Travis explains it or something. And then also, I think... At this point, it's like, what else are we going to talk about? We've already beat Salt Lake City to death. You know, there's the upcoming motocross season, but what else are we going to talk about here? And right. And for me, and for me, it's you know the Yamaha stuff. Is I don't get it. I'll be honest. Like I don't understand why is that bike not that good? Why are people complaining about it? Why can't they? Why is Dylan Fernandez not just signing with them right off the bat? Like why is that an issue? And so, you know, for me. For anyone who hasn't ridden all these bikes at a 450 air factory level, it's it's interesting stuff. I I agree. Um, I think I was really surprised with the audio Steve played from Justin Barsha. Um, you know, being so open about it. Hey, this bike is not good here on the hard pack. It doesn't work. And Steve kind of mentioned, you know, they kind of hinted that that could get the, a guy in trouble. You would think, right? I mean, Yamaha's not going to like that. Uh, I I like I the fact. Sure. I mean, go ahead. I don't know. If I made as much money as Justin Barsha to ride something, I would be telling everybody that that was the best thing since sliced bread. So I can't relate. But, um, for yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting. It, it makes the show better because it has stuff like that. And I think it's cool that Steve was smart enough to hold off on releasing that audio until he had an audience. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's that's. It's crazy to me that somebody would say something like that, and it, 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 it's pretty telling. That's for sure. Oh, I agree. I was. I. It surprised me, uh, but it interested me, and it obviously another reason to keep listening. Um, one thing I didn't understand, and I was hoping to talk to JT about this, but uh, like I said, we had to let him go. Was Kiefer making the comment? You know, he he was talking about the pulse of the bike, the pulse of the KTM. The pulse of the the Yamaha. Okay, I talked about pulses. I'm talking an, to people above you, so <laughs> that that could right. very well be yeah. of an engine pulses. Yeah, and maybe you can attest to this. The pulse of a KTM engine, just you know, that 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 is a heavier, deeper pulse. Right. 
And for me, what I relate to a pulse in an engine is like the heartbeat of the engine. How does that heartbeat build RPMs? Is that torque? Is pulse torque? Almost like the heartbeat. I didn't really follow that, but Kiefer is much more in tune with bikes than anybody I've ever met. Uh, I don't think TP was uh, following it either, though, to be honest. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, what it sounds like to me, it's like the, the base level 450 on the Yamaha, this is what I gather listening to the show again as somebody who's never ridden these bikes. The base level Yamaha 450 is really, really good, but when you start talking about all the changes and adjustments they make at the factory level, uh, it's not quite on the same level as these other bikes. And and that's where it sounds like, to me, the difference in where the frustration comes from Barsha or, or Plessinger or, or whomever. Um, but, yeah, the whole thing is it. I really enjoyed that segment. That was one of my – typically I, I'll not enjoy or even fast-forward through the testing talk because uh, I don't yeah. But, but this part I, I particularly enjoy. Um, yeah, so that whole thing, the, the technical talk, talk led into another Steve-ism, a typical Steve moment where they they mentioned that he should get the GYTR head, right? And he he's like, oh, I don't need it. They, they have this whole discussion. We'll get you one for free. Uh, but then he's like, well, I got to use this other fuel. And, well, first of all, he, he doesn't want the G, GYTR head unless somebody else will put it on for him. And then he realized, well, I got to run this special VP fuel. No, nah, I don't want to do that. You can't get that here. It, that doesn't exist in in Vegas. Typical. Again, I mean, this is all like Spanish to me. I don't really understand it. But um, <laughs> part of you know, with the show, part of what you got to expect is that Steve's going to have his opinion. And you know, if he thinks that the sky is green, it doesn't matter how much evidence that you can put forward that the sky is blue. He thinks the sky is green, and the sky is green in his in his eyes. Yeah, well, I just like the fact that, like, you know, he'll take the part if somebody else will put it on, and, you know, oh, now it's too much trouble. Kind of like we get to Kiefer after dark, uh, you know, the Grill Your Ass Off has this new ranch, but you got to mix it. you got to make it yourself. Nah, it's too much trouble. I don't want to do that. I don't want to make my own ranch. Steve, <laughs> just everything's too much trouble. Too much time, too much issue. I just want everything, you know, handed to me as is. That's how it is. But, man, I love Keeper After Dark. It's absolutely hilarious. It's, I'm glad it's not an every episode thing because I think at that point it might get kind of low. But yeah, yeah. Keeper After Dark is hilarious. All right, let's talk about a few more things. Outdoors was a big topic of conversation. Uh, pretty much everybody's unanimous on the show that Eli is the favorite. Uh, I, I think most people feel that way. You know, Zach's going to be strong. Chris Kiefer believes. But what I want to touch on with that is Kiefer talked about Chase Sexton, right? He's moving to the 450 for outdoors. Kiefer thinks he's going to be a podium guy. Steve says, you know, I mean, he does not agree. Adamantly doesn't agree. So You can't sit here. You can't sit here mm -hmm. and tell me that a guy that's won one outdoor moto in a 250 mm -hmm. is going to beat national champions like Tomac did say beat Osborne Webb you can't he's Kenny can, you cannot sit here and tell me that I'm just saying first he, year out of the gate like Dun he's Dungy did it he's not a phenom what do you think about that though what do you think about Steve's opinion on Chase not being a podium overall guy at all well obviously everybody's entitled to their opinion right Everybody's got their opinion. I think you could probably go back, and this might be an interesting thing if you've got a bunch of extra time on your hands to go back and listen to people discussing the rookies' um, seasons, whether it's in outdoors or, or supercross. 
it's really easy to sit around and, and, and for somebody like Keeper to say, oh, I think he's going to be a podium guy. But then you start, like what Steve did, is list, listing all the people that they're going to have to beat in order to get onto that podium. And at that point, you start thinking, oh, it might not be quite as you know, easy of a task as it, as it, as it sounds. Um, you know, could he maybe get on a podium or two? Sure. But I think, you know, the argument was, is he going to be a consistent podium guy? And, um, and Steve had his, his say. And, and, and t- I guess I got to agree with Steve's side of that argument over, over Keepers until proven otherwise, you know? Yeah, I think it was a smart, you know, it, it's somewhat surprising when you say, oh, a guy like Chase Sexton is not going to get on a podium. But when you break it down the way Steve does did, yeah, it makes sense, right? It seems, yeah. How is he going to really beat all these amazing riders that have been in the 450 class for a while and get a podium? It's it's the the statist- statistically it's unlikely. Uh, you know, Steve said he's not a phenom. You know, he's not a James Stewart or whatever, Ricky Carmichael. So, yeah, he may be right. I, hopefully, we'll get to see if the uh, if the Nationals get everything figured out and we get to watch that. Um, when you're listening, something I made a note of, we get a lot of callers. I like the callers. I like hearing their opinions most of the time, their thoughts. Um, dude, it drives me crazy when somebody calls in, is on speakerphone or so, or Bluetooth, and you hear the echo in the background. Did you notice any of that? Because it was bugging the crap out of me. Yeah, but I try not to get too mad at that because they they don't know, right? People calling into the show, they don't understand audio. They've never done it. True. So they don't. They don't know, so I try to give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to that. But uh, I enjoy the callers and the fact that it's you know it's a, it's a different flavor when you've got a live call-in show versus when you've got a a show that's just being recorded. You know, with the people that are in the studio doing their doing their thing and and so stuff like brain. Like I didn't realize until maybe a few weeks ago that that he was blind. Okay, and, and that's that's so cool. I mean, I, I've obviously met a lot of. Um, blind athletes to the Paralympics and I have the utmost respect for, for them and I thought that was a really really cool thing that this is how he stays connected to the, the motocross world and it, I think that that just provi- that right there that one thing shows the value of the, the call in uh, guest and what they bring to the table because he has his opinion uh, and he's going to only be factual right it's only going to be based on the numbers the results what he hears not what he um, and it just brings a totally different aspect to the whole thing. I play fantasy football with a blind long jumper, so he drafts his entire team based off statistics only. That's oh, it. Okay. Not how they play, not how they do it. So, you know, I put extra thought into what brain brings to the table as a caller because he's only looking at the numbers and the statistics and the facts because he can't see the style. He can't see the way somebody rides. So he's Excuse me. He's going to have a completely different idea of of a rider than someone who can see them. Maybe will have. Nice. Yeah, that's a good good point. I like that. Um, okay, race tech rants. Big part of the show. Usually a very entertaining part of the show. Uh, Steve brings up this this week. The the race tech rant was uh, the riders always blaming the bike. So you're a racer. Again, BMX. You know, you said not a lot of setup stuff with a BMX bike, but. Uh, Steve's not wrong, right? I mean, Travis talks about back in his day, bike wasn't always perfect, but a good rider will make it work. Um, what do you think about that stuff? What do you think about the way the riders do blame the bikes a lot these days and what Steve's thoughts were? 
I agree with Travis, and I also, again, think this is, this is where Brain called in and talked about the GP guy. Yep. Right? So he listened to all the different interviews, and he was mentioning that the GP guys don't blame the bikes quite as much. And um, I thought that was a really interesting perspective because I don't listen to any of the GP interviews. Uh, so for Brain to go ahead and do that was uh, a great perspective. Again, I, I think that I, I would have to agree with what Travis was saying here in that two things. One, if the bike's not perfect, it's up to the rider to figure it out. You can't just pull in and say, I give up because the bike's not perfect. And two, it is the rider's responsibility to get the bike set up. They've got every resource given to them to get the bike set up. So I don't understand, and I'll admit that I don't understand that whole process, but as an athlete, as someone who would go through that, I would like to think that I would take personally the responsibility of I didn't figure out how to get my bike set up. Uh, and that's kind of what Travis was talking about there. And, and, and he is a test rider. He's a, that's his job is literally to set the bikes up. So for him to give that perspective um, was an interesting one. Yeah, what do you think about the, them saying that, like, because I'm an older guy, so I'm, I'm on board with this statement, but kids of today aren't as tough. Um, every generation says that, but, geez, man, it just seems – I fully agree with that statement as far as life in general, but especially with the racing. Yes and no. Okay. I'll give you the, I'll give you a yes and I'll give you a no. And the reason I say that is yes, I will agree. However, the level to which the riders are riding at today um, is higher than it was 20 years ago. And that's just a fact of sports. Sports continue no matter what sport it is. Sports evolve. People get better. Athletes get more finely tuned, they get fitter, they get better, they get technically better. That's, just, that's the evolution of sport. But part of the evolution of sport is that athletes are going to have to push the limits. And in order to push those limits, they're going to have to have their equipment working better. They're going to be taking more risk. They're going to be training harder. They're going to be fitter. You know, all these different things that come along with, with doing that. Um, you know, I don't think you could pick any sport out where 30 years ago the riders or the athletes who were the top of the sport 30 years ago are, are better than they are now. They might be stronger, they might be tougher, they might be fitter, they might be better in comparison to their competition, yes. But sport evolves, grows, and gets better. Um, you know, so these guys riding today are having to ride at a higher level than they might have been riding at 20 or 30 years ago, and therefore they're going to be more sensitive to the setup of their bike than they would have been 20 or 30 years ago. Hmm. Okay. It's an, an interesting thought. I, I, uh, I think probably the old school guys, the Damon Bradshaws, might disagree. <laughs> but, but I see where you're saying the evolution of the sport. The, yeah, the evolution of uh, fitness. So you, you take a you take a Damon Bradshaw or somebody from 30 or 40 years ago, and you let them. Let's say you know hypothetically in this scenario, they could stay the same age and keep riding, and stay the same. You know, 26 years old at their peak physical fitness as the bikes continue to get better and evolve and evolve and evolve, are you telling me that the 26-year-old Damon Bradshaw of, of 1980 is going to be better than, than the one today? Probably not. I hate saying that. Uh, now, he may be able to evolve, evolve uh, but... He will evolve, yeah. Yeah, but if you take that riding technique of that era, and the, yeah, and the, yeah you, you're probably right. Um, that's the thing. It's, it's one of those things, but right, I got, look, in my sport... The guys from the eighties and the guys from the nineties always talk about how they were the best. Right, right. right. You go watch, you go and watch a video of them technically compared to the later today, and it's not even comparable. It's different, 
right? It's not right, it's not wrong, it's not that one's better than the other, it's just two completely different eras. Um, and, and you can't, it's hard to compare era to era in a sport that changes so much, where it's different when you compare it to soccer. You know, 30 years ago, soccer was the exact same sport that it is today. It's completely changed. Like, look at the tracks, look at the equipment, look at the, you know, the training, look at everything that's changed. It's part of how it's going to go. Yeah. Um, hey, I want to thank Guts Racing uh, for the highest performance seat covers and foam in on the market. Visit GutsRacing.com. Thanks to Andy Gregg and Guts Racing for helping support the Pulpamex Wrap-Up Show, as well as Randy Richardson with Michelin Bicycle Tires. Uh, if you want the same tires as Cam Zink and Sam Hill that they ran, in the, uh, visit Bike.Michelin.com for details. And you can also go to Motosport.com, uh, pick up all these products, as well as many other products that sponsor Pulpamex. Go to PulpamexShow.com, click on the Sponsor tab. Many of the links and discount codes are there. Support the guys that support the shows. Uh, if you have any questions, any comments, anything you want to add, any questions for Pookie, for Hello Pookie, send them to darkside at PulpMX.com. All right, uh, voicemails. Had a couple of voicemails that I made note of. Uh, one guy in particular said that I need a little more pizzazz and I need to liven it up. So to that guy, I'll work on that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Connor, when you sit here, you do these, you're doing a show now, you've sat in studio. Sometimes, man, you, you know, you're just talking, dude. And I don't know. I, I know people, people hate on me because I think, I, I really think it comes from the fact that, you know, I was just basically a fan of the show, a caller that called in, and somehow I got in. I infiltrated Pulpamex, and I think I get a lot of hate for that. Yeah, I guess you know, I, uh, everybody in society today tends to be jealous of somebody who's doing better. You know, it's just part of how it goes. But um, you don't know. I uh, sitting in studio. It literally just feels like conversation. That's yeah. all it is. Right. It's, it's conversation about. This is something that a group of people have in common that they enjoy, and people have different opinions. In the same way that if we sat around and we talked about politics or we talked about our favorite foods, we'd have different opinions. And that's what makes it fun. If you had five people in the studio or five people on a show that all agreed that, you know, the same thing, then it probably wouldn't be quite as much uh, as much fun as entertaining. Yeah, exactly. You just try to be yourself and do the, do the, you know, hang out, bench race, and put out a good product and. Typically, it comes out really good. I mean, you, the, the, everything from Pulpamex, uh, I, I enjoy it. I don't have any complaints. I uh, wish other people would just, like you said, either fast forward, don't listen, or just enjoy it for what it is. A um, couple other calls. We got Tech Man. We got the Tech Man call who was a tech guy like Mark, says that Steve needs to pay Marks more. But the whole reason I made a note of this is we got the Tech Man audio from Kiefer and JT as well as the Yoda. This is where it started and I was cracking up. We we got some Cartman from Steve. No, the guy on the phone. Tech man. Tech man. <laughs> it's like Pac-Man. Tech man. Tech it's like man. a like a IT superhero. <laughs> right, right. I am Tech Man. Bring it to me now. <laughs> I am Tech I am Man. Tech man. <laughs> I am Tech Man. Bring all your problems to me. Bring me your server. <laughs> <laughs> I have I a am, super server. I am Tech Man. <laughs> Pull my pants down. Look at my server. Whoa. Look at this. Bring it to me now. Look at my microchip. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I always enjoy the, when people call in and, and bust somebody's balls and, and don't, yeah. don't have, you know, the fear of that. And, and, and I think that's what Steve feeds off of. I think he enjoys it when people challenge him or, you know, want to 
talk about something that maybe isn't the exact same thing. And, and that, that's, what, that's what makes the show fun. And, and I enjoyed that bit. I thought it was pretty funny, and I was giggling. And um, and that's that's part of that particular show, right? Like, if you want to just listen to the race stuff, that's when you listen to recaps or, or things like that. But if you want to listen to people busting other people's balls, that's what the, the pulp show's show's fun. Yeah, what what do you look most forward to, you know, on a Monday when you know Pulp MX is coming on, you know, in a few hours? Is there anything in particular, like, you kind of, like, you can't wait for? Like, you know, whether it be a segment or is there anything in particular that you're just looking forward to every Monday? I guess it would change for me. You know, two weeks ago when they had Eli on, you know, he's kind of a bit of a leper. He doesn't come out much, but True. the fact that they had Eli on was an interesting one. I was interested to hear his particular interview. Um, but I just enjoy, you know, whether I'm driving, you know, I listen to Pulp when I'm driving. I listen when I'm doing laundry. I listen when I'm working on my bike. I listen when I'm doing dishes, just kind of that kind of thing. It, it's just so different, right? Through a five-hour show, you have so many different things that you're listening to, whether it's funny for a bit or then it's serious for a bit or that it's an argument for a bit, whatever it is. It's just you go through this entire range, and I enjoy the range. Yeah. Um, and and guest-wise, I felt like this week, you know, in-studio guests, obviously, because we, we also had Chris Betts calling. But other than that, it was other than that, RV and Chris Betts were really the only uh, – Celebrities, I don't know what you want to call it, you know, because we obviously we had the regular callers call in, but those were the only two kind of well-known people that were on. But the in-studio guests this week really seem to have uh, a good relationship as far as they're all friends for the most part, and it worked well. The chemistry was well. I felt like JT was a little quiet a lot of the times. So he kind of just sat back and he wasn't as involved as I was hoping he would be. But that's JT, I think. Yeah, look, I was there. We filmed uh, something that'll be out here pretty soon. It was a Fly Racing 2021 preview of some products. So I was over there before the show started. Okay. And I was looking around JT, and he's the type that's going to really insert himself or, or make sure that he gets, you know, front and center and gets heard. Um, he's going to kind of speak when spoken to. Um, but when, the, when the, the recording was off, Everyone's just hanging out, and we're just talking about stuff. And obviously, some of the stuff that we were talking about can't be said on air because maybe it was told to us in confidence, or maybe it's you know private conversations that aren't ready, or uh, it's not the time to talk about that to the public. But what it sounds like when it's off air is the exact same that it sounds like when it's on air to an extent. Good point. Yeah, yeah. The good point. I've only been in the studio one time, but yeah, that's that's. I like that because right the show. Is it okay, Steve? Somewhat to me, Steve somewhat puts on a character a little bit with some of the things he says. But the show is real life with those guys. That's how they are twenty four hours a day with each other. Uh, it's it's family, it's friends. Uh, yeah, I think that's why we all love it so much. So good point. Um, okay, last thing I'm going to touch on. You said this is one of the things you like the, you like the best, uh, and it's not every week. Is the grillyourassoff.com Kiefer After Dark? Um, why do you like the segment so much? I'm kind of, uh, I like relationship stuff. I like uh, advice. I like Chris's advice. So I enjoy it for those reasons. And it's usually pretty damn funny. My favorite part is when people try to just figure out whatever is going on in their life. And that's huh. so funny to me. Yeah. It's like, oh, my. 
XYZ125 that I've been riding for five years. I love this thing, but it's, I'm kind of tired of riding it. I'm looking at the shiny new two-fit. Like, that, that part of it is so funny. I, I agree. Yeah, I, it's been overdone every once in a while. Maybe it goes a little too far, but the 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 emailers or I guess that's typically how they get the you know sometimes they're probably DMs from somewhere. But the emails are usually very thought out and well written, and it's very entertaining. And Chris's responses are very entertaining, and then Steve's response to some of Chris's responses also makes me laugh because. Chris does, or Steve doesn't necessarily think the same way Chris does, and I think sometimes he thinks Chris is a little bit nutty, but it's it uh, it makes it very enjoyable for us as listeners. Yeah, and I think at the same time we got to realize that we're a bunch of dudes that are doing like a super manly sport. Yeah, yeah. And we're probably not like group of people that's going to be most you know quick to talk about our feelings. So if this is the way we can do it is by equating it to dirt bikes or whatever it is that we're passionate about then um, I think that's cool. And I, and I think it's kind of fun. And, you know, what, what I think is interesting that nobody ever seems to think about is that I like Chris literally here might be helping people out with, like, major life and relationship decisions. Like, we're kind of laughing at it and we're kind of doing it as entertainment. But there might be somebody who wrote in who's legitimately getting advice here and, like, deciding on whether or not he wants to marry someone or, or you know, what he's going to do with the, his relationship based on what Chris is saying. Yeah, and even though Chris's responses somewhat sound like, I don't know if outlandish is the word I'm looking for, but he he means it. Like, he's really trying to help somebody. He's not making fun of them. He, yeah, he, he really cares about this topic, and he cares about helping people. And, like, yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it is very helpful. Uh, Kiefer's like the Dr. Drew of Pulp MX. Um. All right. Well, yeah, that's exactly it. Like he, he truly does care and he enjoys it. And whether someone's doing it on the Pulp Show or if they're asking him in person, I'm confident he'd be sitting there. Same thing. Yeah. So when are you going to be in studio again? I don't know. Um, there'll be something coming out here pretty soon. There's uh, the 2021 Fly stuff coming out. Me, um, Steve, Chris, and JT all sat in there and talked about stuff. And I've been a fly athlete for 11 years now. So. I've got a pretty good insight to, to all that stuff. So we did that. But as far as in the studio, I'm not sure. I'm waiting for Christian here to win a race or something, and then maybe he'll have me in, but we'll see. There you go. How's that been going? Uh, you know, I mean, Christian, I, I, I like the guy, man, but it seems like he's just hasn't put, he's still not putting it all together. He's got to be a little frustrated because he, he has some good moments, and then it seems like he just crashes with, so almost like what you'd said with Eli, like he's just like, what what happened? Like, what were you thinking? How'd that happen? And, and I know he's got to be frustrated. Oh yeah, we're I'm frustrated. He's frustrated. Everybody's frustrated. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, what can you do? But keep getting back in and, and going for it. And um, you know, you, that's kind of the only option you have. You know. Yeah. So when he has a, a bad day, uh, you know, a bad moment like that. You know, what kind of advice do you give him? What do you help him with, you know, uh, on race day that when it hasn't gone well? Well, a couple of things. I got to be careful here because I don't want to, you know, obviously it's private between him and I, so I don't want to say anything too much. But okay. um, at the end of the day, it's, you know, identify what went wrong, how to correct what went wrong, and try to fix it moving forward. You know, that's really all you can do. Yeah. Um, what was the mistake? Why did you make it? How do you keep it from happening again? And and dwell, you can't dwell on it. 
especially in this sport when you race every week. You got to move forward and um, try to make the the corrections that need to be made one race at a time and um, and, and one event at a time. That's all you can really do. Great advice from a gold medalist. I'd listen to it, man. Uh, Connor, dude, I appreciate you coming on for the wrap up show. Uh, if unless you've got anything else, man, that's a wrap. Let's do it. That sounds like a to me. It's good. A uh, couple weeks off here, which would be a bummer. And uh, who knows how long this is going to go now that the Nationals have been uh, postponed. So I might need some um, other podcasts to listen to and not have any of this stuff going on. Well, feel free to check out the Moto X Pod show. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. I'll have to listen to Brandis. He's a bit of a quiet one. I don't know much about him, so I'm going to check that out. Yeah, I'll be honest. Uh, and Steve busted me on this. He, he always gives me shit about promoting my show, but. He did say originally that was okay. So last night was a big show for us. I thought you know, we had Davey Coombs, Brian Krantz, which is Eli's mechanic, and D- Dylan Ferrandis. And the I felt like the Davey Coombs interview was awesome last night, dude. I I loved it. I felt like I think it went like forty minutes or something. It was it was good. So yeah, check it out if you guys haven't. Yeah, we'll do. Thanks for that. All right, Connor. Thanks, man. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds All right. good. See ya. See ya. Why would you want to talk, re-talk about the Pulp Show?